right, well, good morning, Brave Church. Thank you so much uh, for being here this morning for part four of our series called Frequency, which is all about hearing uh, God's voice. I've titled the message today, The One Constant, and you can go online, and we've made that PDF available for you to print off if you want to follow along in your sermon notes today. So open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I want to encourage you to do that. So if you have your Bibles at home, grab it, 1 Samuel chapter 3, that's where we're going Uh, to be today, to be looking at this passage of Scripture. But before we read uh, from this Scripture verse today in this passage of 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, I want to test your skills a little bit on lyrics to a song that hopefully you know, and hopefully you know watching online, of course. Uh, We're so glad you're here from all over our nation today watching, but hopefully you know these lyrics, all right? So I'm going to play these lyrics, and then I want to encourage you to, to sing them out, sing them loud, sing them proud, if you would. All right, so here, here's the lyrics. Hopefully this works audio-wise. Our team is getting ready, so here we go. Okay, that's enough. All right, how do we do? How do we do? Did you guys do okay lyrically? Yeah. All right, let's just put it to the test a little bit. We're going to reveal the, the lyrics that maybe you were singing or you weren't singing. Let's be honest. All right, it's our national anthem. We learned this at a very young age, but many of us still struggle with the lyrics. I know that I do, but here it is. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming. How many of you guys got that first line right? And you get it right like every time. All right, some questionable. All right, here we go. Who's Broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight. How many guys got that one right? All right, less hands. Okay, how'd you do at home? All right, here's the reality. I share this with you because uh, this week I was uh, listening to this and I was thinking about some lyrics that sometimes we get wrong. And I started to sing the national anthem. I thought, well, let's just start there. And I realized I have been getting these lyrics wrong my entire life. And uh, I've actually been saying, who's bright stripes and bright stars? Now, my wife, go back to the, 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 there you go, who's broad stripes, and I've been actually saying who's bright stripes and bright stars. I don't know if you guys have ever got that lyric wrong at all, but I have, and so that's just a little confession about the national anthem. But the good news is, uh, my wife is not the, I'm not the only one that got these lyrics wrong to the national anthem, my wife too. I was asking my wife, hey, what, what songs do you sometimes get wrong? And, and, and she said, well, I've got the national anthem wrong. And I was like, oh, what did, what did you think it said? And she said this, you just saw it a second ago. She said this, she thought it was, Jose, can you see? So for years of my life, my wife was saying, Jose, can you see? But Jose, you know, Jose in America. Yeah, we all know Jose. Uh, Jose, can you see? You know, and uh, so I thought that was uh, so funny. So I had to put it up. Jose, can you see by the dawn's early light? Of course, it's about Jose. Our nation is all about Jose. All right. Anyways, uh, sometimes we do get lyrics wrong to songs. I mean, you guys, how many of you guys know somebody who just sings the wrong lyrics constantly all the time? Yeah, many hands. And so we know people sing the wrong lyrics. And what's great is you ever had a friend or a family member, somebody, a spouse, and they sing the wrong lyrics, and it's like they just keep on singing. Like, they just, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, hey, that's just, I had a friend growing up as a kid, and he sang the wrong lyrics all the time, but he just keep going with it like the, like the artist was getting it wrong. You know, it was, it was that much. But um, we all get lyrics to songs wrong at times, even worship songs, songs we sing. 
And normally we don't realize we get the lyrics wrong until somebody points it out to us. Like, hey, that's not what that says. Or, you know, or you do karaoke. Have you ever done this? You've done karaoke. And then, you know, the little, little ball is hopping across the lyrics. And you're like, oh, that's what that said. I didn't even know that that's what I was singing this whole time. And so we all get lyrics wrong at times when it comes to, to music, of course. And so the reality is when it comes to hearing songs, sometimes we're tuned in to the wrong frequency, right? In other words, we, we hear what's being said, but we don't really hear what's being said. We can't hear or make it out clearly. Uh, sometimes you listen to that with some hip-hop music or songs that are fast, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, my kid's been watching sometimes the, the Mary Poppins, you know, the spoonful of sugar. Okay, that's the only line I know from that song. And then you start listening to the lyrics, and you're like, what? Why was I taught this as a kid? But anyways, that's a whole other thing. So the point is, sometimes we do get lyrics wrong to songs, and it's because we're tuned in to the wrong frequency. And I was thinking about the, how this really correlates with hearing God's voice. Sometimes we hear God's voice, but we really have a hard time discerning what he's really saying. Is if, if it's God talking to me, it's kind of like, you know, how do I know God's talking to me? Like, was, is it God? Is it me? It's this wrestle. And sometimes I know this to be true on our faith journey. On our faith journey, there will be times when hearing God's voice is not as clear as you wish it would be. You know, you're thinking about getting married or something. You're like, I think I'm supposed to. I don't know if I'm supposed to in this tension. And I don't know what to do. I, I'm trying to make it out. I'm, I'm reading my word. I'm staying obedient to God. I'm heeding his voice. Um, I'm a follower of him. I'm dedicating my life to him. But it's still a little difficult to make out his voice about what I should do. A lot of parents are trying to make decisions right now about do I send my kid to school? Do I not send my kid to school? Do we go back to in-person services at church? Do we not? What's God saying? And it's just sometimes it becomes a little hard to make out what God is speaking. And that is a true thing on our faith journey. It has nothing to do necessarily with obedience. Maybe it has nothing necessarily to do with your staying in your word. It's just a little difficult to make out what God is saying to our hearts. And so today, I want to unpack this uh, issue, and I want to talk about the one constant. In other words, there's going to be one constant thing that will help you when you're in those moments going, you know, there's this constant thing that you will not get rid of. Now, let me just say this before I preface what the one constant is. Okay, there is a reality to this, and I've already taught on it, that every time God speaks, it'll align with his word. But that's not what I'm talking about today, because I've already taught you on that in part one of this series. But, but there is a constant thing you will have whenever you know that God is speaking to help you discern what God is saying when it comes to his voice. So what makes this story unique, where we're going to start today in 1 Samuel chapter 3 is, this is not a story where God is speaking. In fact, it's a story where God is silent. So it's kind of like, what do you do when God is silent? You know, you ever felt like God is being silent on this? I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm trying to find the answer, but I feel like he's silent. How, how, how can I know God is speaking when it's kind of silent? Well, that's what we're going to learn today. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Here's where it starts off. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. We'll put it up. It says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the, Lord's, served the Lord by assisting Eli. And it says, Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. Okay? If you, if you have your Bible, like circle that or unline that. Very rare. And visions were quite uncommon. All right, so that just tells us, like, God is being a little silent. Because during the times of Moses and the times of Joshua, God is speaking pretty clearly to these people. And he's, he's dare I say, speaking a little more loud, if, if you would. They can make, understand what, what he is saying. 
But for the past three uh, centuries, when the Israelites were ruled by various judges, and during this time where Eli is the priest, it tells us that God's voice was a little lighter. It was a little softer. It wasn't as loud. There wasn't a, a lot of pro, uh, um, prophets speaking or delivering God's messages to the people of Israel. And so God has gone a little silent. So the question is then, of course, that leads us to, then why would God go silent? Like, wh why does God sometimes feel like he's a little more distant? Well, the answer we find to this in chapter 2, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 6, 12 and 17. I'll get, and I'll explain it to you. 1 Samuel chapter uh, 2, verse 17, it says this, verse, 16, or verse 12. Eli's sons were scoundrels, and they had no regard for the Lord. Verse 17. The sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. So here's what I want you to know about this. Okay, you have Eli's the priest, and he's got these two sons, and his sons were simply not respecting the Lord's offering and the people's share of sacrifices. So people would bring their offerings and their sacrifices, and these, these two sons of this priest are mistreating those sacrifices. And what they're doing is they're taking the choicest meat that's supposed to be offered to God, and they're taking it for themselves, defying God's laws and God's standards and God's rules and what God had put in place for his worship. And so they threatened violence, actually, on any worshiper who objected to this. And so they're really detestable in the eyes of God. And in response to this, here's what Eli, their dad, says. This goes on 1 Samuel 2.24. He says, No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. In other words, the dad basically says to his sons, it would be like modern day, Now, boys, you stop that. You know, and then that was kind of it. It's like he's acknowledging it's wrong, and he kind of rebukes him publicly, but it's a little lighter side. It's not really uh, harsh enough discipline. So the father, by default, because he honors the sons more than he honors God in this situation, he also, of course, has a, a situation where he is defiance to God because he's not honoring God's standard either, even though he's the father and the priest of this worship uh, community. So here you have these men who were in charge of Israel's house of worship, and it should not be surprising then that God's messages were not being revealed as much because they're simply not doing what God has spoken to do in their life. And their sin, it was their sin, I want you to hear this, it was their sin that was getting in the way of them hearing God. We'll talk more about those things maybe next week, but in this particular instance, it was their sin that was getting in the way of them hearing what God was speaking. But God, of course, is so rich in His mercy he loves his people so much that even though the leadership of the church wasn't speaking uh, directly hearing from God, he still wanted to speak to his people because he, of course, has a heart for his people. And so he says, I've got to do something. So 1 Samuel 25, 35, or 2, 35 says this, I will rise up myself a, faithfully, a faithful priest. I'm going to look for somebody who's faithful and who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. Somebody who's obedient to my word. They're going to be faithful. They're going to be obedient. And I will firmly establish his priestly house, and they will minister before my anointed one always. In other words, I'm looking for somebody to take the lead here. I need someone in office that will heed my voice because we know this. We've spoken on this, that those who heed his voice will hear his voice. And this, of course, is where the boy Samuel comes into play, and it comes in a picture. And Samuel's a teenager. He's a young man. He's probably somewhere between 12 and 17 years of age. And his whole life so far has been dedicated to serving God faithfully. And because of this, God does something that was very rare and very uncommon in those days. 
And now we pick it up, 1 Samuel 3, verse 2, all that context, okay? So that's what you have in context. You have these, this priest and these sons who are defying God. They're not doing what God has spoken to do. And so God's voice is rare. It hasn't spoken for several centuries now to the nation of Israel. He's gone silent. But God is wanting to deliver his people and speak to his people. So he has to rise up somebody who's going to be faithful, who's going to do what he says to do. And so he rises up, of course, Samuel. And here's where it is, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2. So on the night Eli, okay, that's the priest, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. That's, a, that's actually a symbolic. Now, that's a literal, but that's also figurative or symbolic in the way of that he is not only physically blind, but he is spiritually blind as well. So his physical stuff is representation of what's happening on the inside of him. It says the lamp of God had not yet gone out. That's just letting know about the time of day that this occurred. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Now, while he's sleeping, God shows up, and it says, Suddenly the Lord called out, and he calls out his name, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? So he got up, and he ran to Eli, and he makes this really important statement. He says, Here I am. And he says, Did you call me? He says, No, I didn't call you. Eli says, back, Go back to bed. And so, of course, you know, Samuel does. He goes back to bed. He's obedient in that way. So Samuel, of course, in this moment is trying to figure out what's happening. Is someone playing a joke on me? You know, you've ever heard somebody you thought was calling your name, but nobody called your name? That's what's going on in Samuel's mind. He says, and of course, he's getting this idea that I don't know what's happening here. Okay, I can't make it out. Is this my boss just playing a trick on me? And so now the writer of this book, Samuel, who, by the way, is Samuel. So I want you to hear this. Samuel is like saying, hey, just for future reference, whoever reads this, I just want you to know why I had a hard time making out his voice. Here's why I couldn't hear his voice. He tells us in verse 7, and he goes on to say, then the Lord called out again, Samuel. So he's talking to me. This is Samuel writing it. Samuel, again, Samuel got up and he went to Italy and he said, here I am. Did you call me? He says, I didn't call you, son. Go back to bed. And then in verse Samuel Here's what it said in verse 7. It says, Samuel did not yet know. This is why. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never heard a message from God before. So here's what I want you to hear. Samuel's struggling hearing God's voice. God is speaking. Samuel doesn't know it. He thinks it's his boss, Eli, the priest, who he's been assistant to for a number of years. And so he thinks it's him. He can't make it out a little bit, but he wants you and I to know, just real quick in verse 7, I want you to know why I couldn't hear his voice. Here's what was getting in the way. It was simply because I never heard his voice before. I was a little too young. It's just letting us know, Samuel's letting us know that God never spoke to me because I'm too young. And, of course, we can't blame Samuel for this because he's only a child. He's just a young guy he's still growing in his faith. And so the point is his spiritual understanding of who he was and what he had been called to do had not fully come to him. Now, you've got to hear that. Samuel didn't know fully who he was, and he didn't know fully yet what God had called him to do and who he was going to be. So he's on this journey. He's been serving in the church. He's been serving the church faithfully, but he didn't know just quite yet what God ultimately had called him to do. And so he says, I've been sitting in services. I've been studying the Bible. I mean, I kind of get it. I've been doing some service stuff. I've been volunteering. I've been helping. But I'm in this position where I can't really hear what God is saying. And first, I want you to understand this reality is that he didn't fully understand yet who he was and who God had called him to be. And so he needed somebody to help him out, to help him to understand what God was saying. So here's what it says in verse 8. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and he went to Eli. Here I am, makes his statement. Here I am. Did you call me? 
Are you playing a joke on me? What's going on? And then Eli realized it was the Lord that was calling the boy. And so he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And this time I want you to do something. He says, and this time I want you to say something. I want you to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. The Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Now just pause. So this time he goes and he gets a little help. He's like, hey, I need somebody to tell me whether or not I'm listening. This is something that a lot of people do when they're new to faith or maybe just growing in your relationship with God or even when you're, you've been in faith and been in church, loved the Lord a long time, and you have a hard time discerning God's voice and you go to somebody else and you're like, hey, help me out with this a little bit. This is what Samuel does. He's like, I don't, I don't know what's happening here. And then Eli, even though he's got some disobedience inside of him, even though he's got some things wrong, he still certainly would have had a heart for the Lord even though he's kind of a, a kind of a softer dad if you would but but he really did have a heart for god still and so he recognizes and he realizes i think god's speaking to you god is talking to you and this time i want you to go say back to him speak lord your servant is listening and this time also notice that god calls samuel's name twice it makes it a little unique well the name samuel in hebrew literally means heard of god back in chapter one samuel's mom hannah uh, his mom had cried out for a son, begging God to give her a child. And God granted her request, and she named him Samuel. Because she asked for him, and God heard her prayer, so she dedicates her son Samuel as a way of honoring to God, dedicating to God, and names him, well, heard of God. In other words, God heard my prayer. And so I'm going to name my son my son heard, like you heard me, God. And so she just recognizes and honor God in that way. And then she actually does this a little step more than just naming him after this blessing from God. In verse Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 28, it says, So now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. So Hannah the mom takes the son Samuel after an answered prayer and says, I'm going to dedicate him back to you, and I'm going to put that boy in church every single Sunday. And he's going to serve that church, and he's going to be called, I am giving him back to your work. He's not here to take care of me when I'm older. He's here for you. And so she, she prays to God, asks for God to give a child. Child comes, and she does exactly what she said to God she would do. She, she takes the child, puts him back with Eli the priest at the time, and she says, you are here to serve the Lord. And she gives his whole life up to serving God. And she dedicates him to serving God in his entire life. And this is what she's called to do. The word servant here, by the way, go back to the verse for just a moment, if you would. Go back to, there you go. The word servant here, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. couple of words I want you to pay attention to. This word servant in Hebrew meant slave or servant. It meant slave or servant. It's yaved, okay? It means slave or servant. And in a special sense, it actually can mean a prophet. I want you to catch this. So, this time, he was saying, here I am. But now Eli says, I want you to go back, and I want you to say who you are. And so he goes back, and he says, I want you to say, speak for your slave, or your, in a special sense, your prophet. Now, of course, again, Samuel was young, so he doesn't know who he fully is yet. But it's starting to get revealed to him. I want you to go back and say, speak, Lord, your prophet is listening I want you to speak Lord for your slave is listening let's unpack another word in Hebrew it's the word listening 
This word listening in Hebrew is the word uh, shema. So it means uh, to hear or to obey. Okay? It's shema. It means I'm going to hear you. So I want you to think about what Samuel is going on in his, I can't hear him. You know, what do I say? Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. And he says, no, this time don't say here I am. Instead, I want you to speak these words. I want you to say, speak, Lord, your prophet is ready to obey. Your slave is ready to obey. Your slave. I'm identifying with who I am before you, what my whole life is about. My mom, when she gave me up, she put me back in the church and she dropped me off every day. She said, he's going to be a slave for you. This is what he's all about. His name was heard of God. And I'm going to remember that calling. So I'm going to put him back into your hands. And now Eli recognizes this and he says, Samuel, you need to say who you are. Speak. Your slave is ready to obey. Speak to me, God. Your prophet is ready to do whatever you call me to do. See, it's different than here I am. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Lord, your slave is ready to obey. So it's when he remembers who he was and what he had been born to do that God's voice gets revealed to him. And now you have verse 11, and he begins to hear what God is speaking and what God wanted to say to him. So here's the, the message that God wants this prophet, Samuel, who's a young boy, to deliver. But he didn't know he was a prophet, but now we're starting to realize, I think I'm a prophet. This is what God's calling me to do. So here's the message. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm about to carry out my threats against Eli and his family. From the beginning to the end, I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. This is the message that Samuel receives. And then it goes on to say in verse 14, So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Samuel stayed in bed until morning, and I'm thinking to myself, he's like, I do not want to have to deliver this message. So he's just like, I'm out. I'm sleeping in on this one. All right, so he stays in bed until morning. Then he gets up, and he opens the doors of the tabernacles as usual. That was kind of his job. He's part of the setup teardown team. And then he was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. I want you to circle this, he was afraid. I want you to circle that. If you've got your Bible, got your notes, circle that in your notes. He was afraid afraid to tell Eli. Now the threats back in chapter 2, if you want to go back and read all the threats, back in chapter 2 where God told Eli, not, here's, here's one of the threats, not one of his family members will live to an old age and your sons will die in the prime of your life. Your sons will die in the prime of their life. Back in chapter 2, Eli receives a message from God, this is what's going to happen to you. And now he has revealed this to, to Samuel. Samuel doesn't know the degree of it, but he knows this isn't good, and he's told to go deliver this message to Eli. So Samuel receives this message, and of course, it's not comfortable. It's not a comfortable circumstance by any means. His leader, the one who had trained him in ministry, is about to be taken out by God, and this is the message you don't want to deliver to your boss. Imagine walking in and telling your boss on Monday, hey, I got a message from God for you. <laughs> I'm about to take your job and you're going to be out. You know, this is an uncomfortable situation to be in. And this is where Samuel is in this moment. And so, of course, he's got some fear inside of him. 
of what's going on. Can you matter the emotions and how he slept that night? Probably not so good because he's carrying this message around that he has for his leader, this guy Eli, who he has been serving his whole ministry career. And now he's got to deliver this message to him. And he's thinking, this is going to be my first prophetic word to my leader. And I'm about to tell him God's going to take him out. I do not want to tell him that message because I don't know what's going to happen to me because he's the one in charge. I might only lose my job. I might lose my life. Because I've seen what his sons have done to the people who are mistreating worship, who have talked about them. And then his sons will destroy me. So he's got fear all over him like many people do today, gripped with fear. This is what's going on in Eli's or in Samuel's life in this moment. And then in verse 16, here's what it says. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son, here I am. Samuel replied. All right? So here's what I want you to see. Samuel's go back, and instead of saying, here I am, he says, your slave is ready to obey. We know that already. Because this would not be a proper thing to say to anyone other than his God. I want you to understand this. Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son, here I am. And he says to Eli. So he wakes up in the morning, he goes to the church, he opens the doors. Eli says, hey, Samuel, come here. And notice the response this time. Here I am. See, he doesn't say, speak, Eli, for your slave is ready to obey because that would not be proper. Instead, he says, here I am, because there's only one God that he would serve and be a slave to. There was only one king he would be a slave to, and he's recognized this now. And so he goes back to the statement, here I am. I'm ready to be here, but you're not the God that I'm ready to be a slave to. There's only one God that I'm a slave to. So he makes the statement, here I am. Then in verse 17, Eli asks him a really tough question, and he says, what did the Lord say to you? And then he says, tell me everything, and may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. And so Samuel told Eli everything, and I love this line, he didn't hold anything back. Highlight that, circle that. He didn't hold anything back. And he tells Eli everything that God has spoken to him. So even though Samuel's full of fear, he didn't hold anything back. He said, okay, if you want to know what God told me, I'll tell you what God told me. And he begins to tell him everything that God told him through the message, even though fear was all over him. Even though he wasn't sure how things were going to turn out. Even though he wasn't sure, once I speak this, what's going to happen to me? And he tells them, and he tells them because the one constant thing you need when it comes to hearing God's voice. Samuel had something going on inside of him. How do you have a guy who's a teenager telling an older man, a young boy, maybe he's 14 years of age, saying, God has spoken to me, and I know you're the priest, and I know you're the sons, or the ones that are really in charge of this whole thing, but God's got a message for you. How do you speak that to your leader in the moment when you're gripped with fear? What is the one constant thing that's going to overcome somebody when like, is this sure what God is saying? I don't know if this is God. Okay, now that, now that I know who I am in you, I want you to hear this. Now that I know who I am in you, now that I have said, speak, your slave is ready to obey. 
in a special sense. God, I recognize I'm a prophet of you now. You've called me to be a prophet. I realize who I am. I know what my name is. Now I know who I am in you, and I know what I've been called here to do. Now you've given me a message. Regardless of the fear that I have in my life, I'm ready to deliver it regardless of what it costs me. The one constant thing that you will have inside, and Samuel has in this moment, is he has peace. He's got peace. Say, so how do I know that Samuel had peace? To deliver this message in the midst of fear. Let me just tell you, there are many ways that God will speak. You see him all through scripture. He'll speak through circumstances. Look at the story of Jonah. God spoke through a circumstance, right? Jonah was supposed to go do what God said to do. Jonah said no. God said, okay, I'll allow circumstances to come your way until you're ready to listen to my voice. And so he gets them thrown overboard. He gets them swallowed by a fish. He gets them vomited back out on land. By the way, just so you know, if God puts you in a position where he throws you overboard, you get swallowed by a fish and then vomited out by land, I just want you to know it's time to listen to what God is saying. So God is speaking through a circumstance. You say, why do I keep being in the situation that I'm in? Well, maybe because God's allowing a circumstance to come your way until you start to listen to his voice. He'll speak through circumstances. If you've been in the same season for five years, I'm still battling the same thing. Maybe God is allowing that circumstance to stay on you until he says, well, what are you going to do with me about it now? You know, what's he speaking to you through the circumstance you're in? God will speak through us through his circumstances. That's true. He can speak through people. We see that all through scripture. He speaks through people. People showing up and just talking to other people, using people, talk to people. He uses uh, messages like this or worship songs or any. He'll just use people. He'll use somebody in a drive-thru to speak to you. you know, he'll use people to speak to and communicate to us. He speaks, of course, through his word. He can speak even supernaturally. We saw this in the, where Moses, this, this burning bush is on fire, so he can speak supernaturally. We see in the beginning in the garden where he can speak through all kinds of different uh, situations. In one text in the Bible, he actually speaks, speaks through a donkey. It's kind of like the movie Shrek really coming to life. It's like a real thing. God can speak through anything. He can speak through a whisper. Sometimes we'll say, no, when God speaks, it's like a whisper. Not always. Sometimes it is a whisper, but sometimes it's not a whisper. Sometimes it is loud and clear. So there are many ways that God can speak, but there's one constant that will always be there when God speaks, and you can count on it. The one constant thing is peace. You will have peace when God speaks. It's a constant thing that cannot be escaped because Jesus is peace. He's the prince of peace. And I know the text he came to establish the sword, he's not got a peace. That's a whole different context. Jesus always brings peace when he speaks. It's a constant thing that cannot be. Anytime, you can have fear all over you. But when God is speaking, there will be peace. Now notice, I didn't say easy. Don't get this twisted, church. Don't get this. I didn't say easy. Oh peace the lord's called me to relax more because it's just peace you know listen that's not god speaking that would be tough and that would be hard and that would be difficult did you hear the story i just told you when you have to go to your boss and tell him god is going to make sure that you and your sons this is the message god wants me to confirm that he is going to kill you and your sons and no one in your family will ever see the prime of their life that's the message that God wants to speak to you today. 
That's the message. That's not a comfortable scenario to be in. So don't get peace wrong. See, peace is something different. Look at Psalm. Flip your Bible. Get your Bible out. I got my iPad, but you get your Bible. Psalm 85, verse 8. He says, I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying. And then he says, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. Now remember, Samuel was faithful. He says, I'm looking for a faithful leader. I need a faithful leader. And when I speak to my faithful people, the people who are paying attention to do what I say to do, people like Samuel, I speak peace to them. And I'm going to give them peace in it. Peace is the word shalom in Hebrew. You've heard that maybe before, shalom. Meaning peace or welfare in regards, now watch this, to your health and safety. To your health and to your safety. That means even when in the world is chaos, I don't know why, but God's given me a peace. There's people who I know are physicians walking in, and they're saying, I know I'm not going to get sick. It's not a faith thing. I just got a peace over me. But you realize the, the, hospital, the hospital is flooded with disease or sickness or the world is, but God's given me a peace. And it's this, this is what's going on inside of this writer in Psalms. Says, I realize God speaks with peace. It's the shalom. He, he, he watches out for my health and safety. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I have, no, I have no fear. I have peace all over me. Even though I'm in the midst of difficulty, I got peace about this scenario. Even though the breakup is going to be hard, I got peace about it. I just spoke to somebody. Listen to me. When God gives you peace, it does something that doesn't quite always make sense, but you got peace about it. It's a big deal. I want you to notice, flip over to your Bibles, Philippians 4. Paul is writing. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and th give him thanks for all that he has done. Then, watch this, you will experience. God wants to give you an experience of peace. He says, then you're going to experience God's peace. And that's a whole different level of peace. When you get God's peace... You can go to a cross and be beaten and say, I'm good here. Jesus was able to take the cross over because God had given him peace. This is not going to be easy, but I know what I'm called to do. God has spoken to me, and i got a peace to endure the cross. And I'm going to experience God's peace even when I'm on the cross getting crucified and nailed because i got peace in me. I didn't say it's easy. Oh, it hurts. It doesn't feel good. And there's physical pain going on. But I'm telling you, I got peace in my soul even though what's going on around me isn't comfortable. This is when God speaks. So, which exceeds, watch this, it exceeds the peace. The peace is greater than. If you could just do a little math, peace, and then write the greater than symbol, peace. Peace which exceeds anything I can understand. You see, Samuel says, I got peace now. See, God has spoken. See, Eli, you told me, go tell God, speak, for your slave is ready to obey. Speak, in a special sense, was that idea of message, so listening. So, God, your prophet is ready to deliver the message that you have for me to deliver. And even though the message was uncomfortable, I got peace about it, and it exceeds the circumstance. Even though I don't understand why God's doing this fully to Eli... I just know I'm called to deliver this message, and I got a peace about it. And then his peace will guard your heart. His peace will guard your heart. Your heart is like sad, and it's broken, and it's hard, and it's going to go through pain. But he says his peace will guard the heart and your mind. 
So you could be all jacked up on the inside in your heart and your mind could be spinning. How am I going to get through this? But God will give you a peace when he speaks. And it will surpass all understanding as you live in Christ Jesus. Somebody should say amen. God speaks. He'll give you a peace. There are times where what God will say to us won't make sense. And today I believe he's telling you something today that may not make a lot of sense. In fact, it'll seem impossible. And the situation may be difficult, but one thing you can count on is when God speaks, there will be peace. I didn't say comfort. I said peace. Regardless of the comfort level. Regardless of how ridiculous it sounds. When God speaks, there will be peace. That's what I want you to know today. When God speaks, there will be peace. You can write that down in your notes. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. And I got real biblical on you. And I use the New King James Version for this one. A sound mind. A sound mind. God will give you a sound mind. God will give you a sound mind whenever he speaks. I believe there's people listening in today. Listen to me. And God has been speaking to you. He has spoken. And it is fearful. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And let's be honest, you don't want to do it. But there's a peace all over it. And it doesn't make any sense. Listen, when it comes to God, it doesn't have to make sense. Noah was told to build a boat when it didn't make sense. Peter was called to walk on water and it didn't make sense. When God speaks, I'm not talking about sense. In fact, oftentimes when God speaks, it won't make a lot of sense because you don't think the way he thinks because his ways are higher than yours. But when God speaks, there's a peace. share a story it's a personal story to me and it's not in my notes but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to share this I was talking with my brother recently and his wife has been in the hospital for 40 days yesterday and uh, been in the hospital on a ventilator like many people around our nation today he says man I get doctors call me and when they call me Sometimes different doctors or different nurses will call me and I'll be saying, you know, how is it today? And some will say, it's not looking good. And it'll, they'll start to talk in such a tone or such a way that uh, that, that makes me question, you know, is she going to make it? You know, it, it just kind of gets flooded. So we're talking on the phone, talking on the phone every day. Uh, through this journey and uh, he says but I know something yesterday we were talking day before yesterday and uh, he says but I know something and he said there's these moments where I sit on the ground and I start to cry and I call out to God and I'm asking God Lord save my wife you know heal her 
40 days in the hospital, 40 days in sedation, ICU. And uh, he said, I call out to God, and I can't explain it to you, Ricky. But sometimes I get this peace. Like it doesn't make any sense and it'll just last for a couple of seconds and then I'm able to sleep and even when the doctors are speaking these things they don't see what I see because they don't have what I have because I got peace that she's gonna get through this you see I know who she is and he starts to go off it's like I know she, I know what she and I know I got this peace He's like, I already know she's going to be well. And it's not a faith thing. It's not like this just stepping in faith thing. It's like, I got this peace about it. You see, peace surpasses understanding. Samuel had peace. Regardless of the message, I know who I am now. His peace was in his identity of who he was and what he was called to do. So the moment he was called to be a prophet and he realizes this, God, I know I'm a prophet of this nation now. I know you called me to rise up. I know what you've spoken to my heart. So regardless of what the doctors say, I got your peace. So I can say something ridiculous like, she's going to make it, even when everybody else says, no, she won't. I got a peace. When God speaks to you, there will be peace. And I got a hard message for somebody today. Listen in. You're watching today, God has already spoken to you. And you don't have peace about it. And you've been trying to fight that thing off, trying to get peace. But you don't have peace about it. And what you're going to have to go through to get there is difficult, but you don't have peace about it. But you wish you had peace about it, but you don't have peace about it. Stop fighting against it and just receive the fact, Lord, I trust you. I don't have peace. When God speaks, there will always be a peace about it. And it will always line up with his word. In other words, you can't be trying to hide from tithe and offering. Well, I don't have peace about it. No. The Bible says do it. Well, I, the Lord told me to call somebody to forgive him. You know, I got to forgive him. But I don't got peace about it. Wrong. Bible says to forgive your brothers and sisters of Christ Jesus. How many times? Every single time. You know, it'll never contradict God's word. But you will have a peace about it. And if you don't have a peace about it, put it on hold. Put it on hold. If you're struggling to hear God's voice today, you can ask yourself this question. Where is peace? What do I have peace on? I want you to hear Jesus talk to you right now. All over this room, watching today online, just ask them, where do I have, in the situation you're dealing with, maybe you're thinking about putting your kids in school or not, you don't know what to do, and you're trying to ask God. Ask God about a relationship. There's some of you asking God about a marriage, asking God about a relationship. You know who you are. God is talking to you. Ask yourself the question, where is peace? Where's peace? About finances, taking a job, leaving a job, where is peace? Where's peace? Going back to church or not and services, where's peace? Where's peace? 
Jesus, speak to your people today. Lord, you want to speak to your people. The greatest thing you ever did for us was send your son, Jesus Christ, to die on this earth so that we would have acknowledgement of who you are, God. It was you revealing yourself in the flesh that we would have peace in our hearts. That even though we live amongst sin, even though we see sickness and disease and battles and struggles and illnesses and death before us, you came. That we would have a name to call on and his name is Jesus and he is the hope of the world. Even while we were sinners, you gave your life to us. Once you know the gospel today, the gospel is this, that you were and are and I were dead in our sin. In other words, we were not perfect. We are not perfect and everyone is in sin. Everyone has sinned. It's just a true thing that we cannot escape. But Jesus and God in his mercy sent his son Christ to die for, the, for those sins. And the scripture tells us that when we confess him as Lord in our life, he literally takes those imperfections. He takes the sin and he removes it and he puts it to a cross so that we would be seen as perfect in the eyes of God. And one day our souls will rise up and receive new bodies in heaven. And there we'll be perfect just as the way God established it prior to sin. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And he says, for those who just confess me as Lord in their life, I'll give them a new life in me. And they can live eternity with me in a place called heaven that is perfect without sin, disease, or sickness, or greed, or shame, or hurt, or pain. And this is the place that I've created for them. But in order for it to be perfect, you have to have perfect people, but you can't be perfect without a perfect God. And the sacrifice for the sins of many in the world. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for peace. We thank you for the gospel. In Jesus' name, we pray today. And everybody said, amen.